This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go! Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. And now the 0-1 pitch on the way. You swung on and drilled the left. Way back. Yastrzemski will turn and watch, and the A's have tied it up on a ninth-inning grand slam by Steven Piscotti. Do you believe that? A's seven, Giants seven. Barreto running. Here's the turn. The 3-2 pitch is swung on a high fly ball. Left field. Yastrzemski back at the track <laughs> to the wall. He'll watch it fly. And they've done it again in the ninth inning. Do you believe it? Uncanny. Back-to-back games. The A's have gotten up off the deck in the ninth. And now they take the lead. A three-run home run. 7-6 A's over the Giants. Chad Pinder pinch hitting. Hits one to deep left field, way back, and no doubt, and that one is gone. Right center, the one-two fastball is drilled to left. Dickerson going back. He will turn and watch it fly, and how far will it fly? A mammoth shot off the bat of Piscotti, and now the A's have broken it open. Nine to two in favor of the A's. Well, they've tripled. Two homers, single. Here's a deep drive to left. Way back. Dickerson will turn and watch that one fly. Do you believe this? It's 11-2 in favor of the A's. Simeon unloads with a two-run homer. And that's his third of the year. Three long balls for the A's in the inning. An inning in which they've scored nine times. Here's Chris Townsend. <laughs> oh, God. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Yes, I do believe it came correct because I watched it with my own eyes. That butt whooping the A's put on the Giants yesterday. 15 to 3. If you watched the great movie, the second Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, there's that scene with the, I don't know, call him a witch doctor, warlock, whatever the heck he was. And he reaches into that guy's chest and he pulls out his heart. And the heart's still beating. Boom, 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 boom. And he does that. That's what, the, that's what the A's did to the Giants yesterday. They literally pulled their heart out from their chest, dropped it on the ground, and stomped on it. And the Giants stink. 
just a joke, some of the stuff we had to hear over the weekend. They got beat 15-3. to They couldn't hold a five-run lead in the the first game, three-run lead in the second game. Saw somebody, who put out there, well, what's the silver lining? I wanted to reply, the silver lining is we get the Giants three more times this year. That's the, can we get them more? Man, they are bad, and it was great. And now, now you have a terrific matchup because you're going up against a team that's really been playing well. The Snakes have come out of the ground and they have salvaged their season, and they're playing really good baseball, and I got the numbers for you. It's going to be a home-and-home. Two in Arizona, two in Oakland. Let's go. We've got a killer show for you today. And I'm not overselling that. Coming up here in a few minutes, John Savage, the head coach of UCLA. We had Bruin on Bruin crime yesterday out at Oracle Park as James Caprellian made his debut and Brandon Crawford took him deep, Bruin against Bruin. And I want to get into a lot of other things with, with, with Coach. You know, UCLA, one of the premier college baseball programs in the country, won national title, tons of appearances, the College World Series and the regionals. But what is going on with college sports? And it's sad. I mean, you've had a bunch of guys lose their high school senior season. You've had college players lose their senior season. Like, what's going on with college sports? Football's being canceled. So we'll get into a lot with him. We'll bring up a little Trevor Bauer. We'll bring up Garrett Cole. We'll talk about some of the Bruins in Major League Baseball. So John Savage, head coach, is going to join us coming up here in moments. Then we're going to have... One of our all-time favorites, Johnny Gomes, is going to join us. He'll talk about his time with the A's, and he's also helping run the alternate site for the D-backs. What is that like? At 4 o'clock, the voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland Athletics, Ken Korak, will be here at 4. Friend of the program, former A, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello's going to be here at 4.30. How about that? Yeah, we get the skipper of the team on the first day of a series. That's how we roll. And then Mark Canna. Nobody, I mean, who's been better than this guy? Who's been better than this guy for the A's? My man Mark Canna will be here at 5 o'clock. So John Savage, head coach of UCLA at 3.15, Johnny Gomes at 3.30, Ken Korak at 4, Tori Lovello at 4.30, and Mark Canna at 5. Cody, you need anything else? What else do you need for a great show? Well, a, a good producer always brings it back to himself. So, oh, But, no, uh, all joking aside, um, I was looking for, I've been looking forward to the show for a while, ever since – you know, we, we, we talked to Ken ahead of time, and I talked to Johnny Gomes yesterday, and then the Diamondbacks emailed me, hey, Tori's confirmed tomorrow at 1.30. I'm like, what what other team besides our own with Bob do we get the manager of the of you know of the team on? Besides our good friend Cashy and Cappy, who we didn't get this past series. So uh, anytime you have a manager on from the opposing team, that's great, and I think it gives a lot of insight into the series, and Tori's awesome. I mean, I, I love that guy. I told you that after we got done interviewing because we got to do the uh, – 
the Zoom meeting with him, so we got to see him and talk to him. And just the guy, the guy's great from when we had him in San Diego to now. Uh, he's an incredible. I think he's an incredible interview. He has so much character and charisma, and, and you guys are great together. So, and then Mark Hanna. I mean, he's a San Jose guy. We're both in San Jose, so having a fellow San Jose guy on is always uh, always money for me. Well, the thing about the managers are they're so busy that, like, we can set up interviews where we'll go into their office and interview them. But to jump through hoops, there's no shot. I mean, what manager is going to be – I mean – yeah, I mean, we could basically interview any manager. You set it up through their PR, and you're going to have to go to him. He's not coming to you. And the fact that Tory came to us, like they they set up something special, you know, because we're doing it through computers and Google Meets. You know, mo- most managers wouldn't do that. They, they'll do an interview with you if you go into their office inside the clubhouse, but we can't do that. That that That's not happening this year. That's... I mean, I expect to get the manager of the other team in the postseason and stuff like that. But, I mean, um, the fact that Tori did that and got on the computer with us was really, really cool. The A's have won four straight. They've won 13 of 15. They're 3-2 and two in interleague play. They've hit nine home runs in the series against the Giants. Last 12 games, they've hit. Last 12 games, they've hit 27 home runs. They are absolutely rolling. The best record in the American League. I mean, it's awesome. Why do you have them at? Oh God, I have this. I still have them at fifteen and six. They're sixteen and six. Yep, best team. In, they have the best record in baseball right now because the Yankees are fifteen and six, and I believe the Dodgers are. Are they fifteen and well, seven? Well, the Cubs. What are the Cubs? The Cubs are thirteen and uh, six. They got swept by the Brew Crew over the weekend. So the old Brew Crew. Don't sleep on the Marlins. They have a 600 winning percentage. Yeah, Dodgers are 16 and 7. So they have a 696 winning percentage on the year, where the A's winning percentage is five, uh, 727. So they technically have the best record by percentage points in Major League Baseball right now. All right. Which power rankings do you want to go with right now? Um, I would go with. Oh, I would. A wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, what is playing on my computer? Anything, it's a great question. The spacious eight-passenger Highlander. Oh, it's the Highlander, the Toyota Highlander. <laughs> there you go. I was wondering what that. I heard the music in the background and the little kids laughing. I'm like, what? What are you? What's going on over there? So what happens when you're searching the web? Their video comes up. I'm on CBSSports.com right now, and the reason why it's not my favorite site for baseball, but they're like the last site that still gives you the uh, preview of the game that you can read. Um, they don't do it on ESPN anymore. They really don't do it on MLB. I mean, they give you the AP preview that kind of tells you what's going on with both teams. Um, do you want to know what the power rankings is, CBS Sports? Yeah, let me know because I know what Bleach Report and ESPN and MLB, MLB well, First have. of all, you give me those. You give me those. Where, where are the A? Give me your top five Major League Baseball power rankings. Tell me where you got it and what it is. Oh, what what mine are? Well, I'd go. No, oh, they so, are. So I only did the top three. because cares I, about Cody? What, what's ESPN's so, Bleach Report? So I did the top three for them. ESPN has Dodgers, Yankees, A's. MLB.com has Dodgers, A's, Yankees. Bleach Report has Dodgers, Yankees, and A's. 
Are you ready for CBS Sports? Let's hear it. A's, Dodgers, Yankees. If you want one inning to sum up these A's, look no further than scoring five in the ninth, tying the game with the Grand Slam against the Giants. These guys are relentless. CBS Sports Power Rankings, number one is the Oakland A's. Matt Snyder. Get me Matt Snyder on the phone. I mean, here's the I mean, here's the deal. There's 38 games left, folks. That's it. Trading deadline is just over a week. This seat God, they're doing it to me again. It, it's CBS Sports. They they have so many ads on their that's why I Oh, don't... hey, they're making money. God bless them. <laughs> uh Your team's in it. People see it. People get it. They understand stuff that we, and that's why when they got off to that little blip and lost a few in a row, that's why I was like, made me angry because I know how good these guys are. You have a legit, and I can't wait to ask Johnny Gomes about this World Series because these morons, and I, well, I guess that's a little harsh. These dinosaur riders who all tried to say there was an asterisk on this season. Yeah, you know what that asterisk is? This might be the toughest World Series to ever be won. I can't wait to ask Johnny Gomes. You want to talk about a great leader and a winner and a World Series champion? What does he think about that? These guys battling through a pandemic. They're worried about their lives. They're worried about their families. They're having to travel during these horrible times. And you're saying, oh, it's just 60 games. It's not 162. I am so done with the curmudgeon old school baseball writer. I'm done. They, 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 they literally have zero perspective on what real life is about. Am I wrong on that, Cody? I heard so many of them. It's a, there should be an asterisk. This isn't like a real seat. Man, this is the toughest season I've ever been a part of. We're hanging on by a thread. No, We're I th- lucky you have baseball. I think you're right. And I saw something earlier from a guy that I, that I worked with and you've worked with. And uh, he's a respected writer in, throughout the country. And I saw it, it just shows you how people feel about things. And it was Ray Ratto. And I know he's kind of funny on Twitter and how he is. But he put, this is the first time in 22 days that a baseball game hasn't been postponed due to COVID-19. But I'm willing to give it time. Like, it just feels like there's so many people still that are, root, like, rooting against is a hard word, is, is, is a little hard. Oh, it, 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 trust me. They won't openly say it. But they so bad want to go, I told you so, you shouldn't be playing. And someone like Ray Ratto, is, is, he's a troll, and he always has been. He doesn't care what you think. He wants the negativity. He is your traditional old-school calmness, and it's why nobody – I don't even what, – what's he writing for, 95-7 the game? What was it on? It, uh, it, no, it was just a tweet he sent out. It wasn't oh, even I – I think he writes for The Ringer. I think it's the other thing he writes for. Maybe before. These guys. And you know what? To be honest with you, the act's tired. No no one, you know, the traditional, I go to the paper every day to read what this this guy has to say. Those days are over. I don't even want to give him time. Uh, Earlier today, I had an opportunity to hook up with the head coach of UCLA. And wanted to talk to him about James Caprellian making his debut. A guy that figures 
to be in this rotation for the A's for many years to come. And this guy has had an incredible career. Uh, he went to Santa Clara, by the way. He's a Bronco. And through the years, you know, Reno to UC Irvine, USC, and now longtime head coach of UCLA, one of the great college baseball programs. Here's my conversation with a national champion, John Savage. John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk a little bit about a lot of your former players who so many are in the big leagues and uh, truly one of the great jobs and one of the great baseball programs in the country, UCLA. Thank you for the time. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you having me. We had a little brewing on brewing crime yesterday. Your, your guy, James Caprellian, making his debut for us. What a nice kid as we've gotten in here to meet him. But his first at-bats against Brandon Crawford, also a UCLA, UCLA Bruin. It's really hot up here. And he took him deep to dead central. Yeah, he did. Uh, it was so funny. We were all excited hearing that James was going to come in the game. And, and of course, Brandon was coming up. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh God. And then... Uh, Brandon hits that, yeah, I think it was a 1-1 count to, to left center, almost center, and he hit it pretty good. Um, James, so after the game, I, I told I told Brandon, I said, hey, you need to treat that rookie a little better. He goes, welcome to the show. <laughs> and then James on the other deck was telling me about the wind. He thought that Crawford got held by the wind a little bit. So it was, uh, it was kind of funny because Brandon also said, hey, I got canning. Griffin Canning tonight over in uh, Anaheim. So uh, it was great to see those guys. And we had Tyler Heineman on the field as well. And so it was, um, it was ironic that James first of bat was, was against Brandon and Brandon did what he did. What does that mean to you? And, and I think about your great career and all the different phenomenal schools you've been at Reno, USC, uh, Irvine with a terrific program. Now UCLA, what is it like, whether you're the head coach, you're a coach, that, that you help touch one of these young men's lives that helps lead them to professional baseball and ultimately to play in the big leagues? Well, what does that mean to you? Well, I think, I think you hit it on the head. It doesn't matter if you're the head coach or assistant coach or, you know, any sort of person that had something to do. Maybe it was small and maybe it was big, but it was uh, just a very proud moment uh, whenever they – they make the major leagues and then they establish themselves as, as Brandon did. And of course, Jared Cole and Trevor Bauer and, and you know, a few others. And just, um, you know, it, it makes it uh, feel uh, rewarding, I guess you would say, uh, in terms of, you know, particularly a guy like James, who's gone through a lot, you know, uh, during his amateur career and then certainly as his professional career. So uh, just a, uh, uh, proud moment, uh, seeing them compete at really at the highest level. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, James will be in Oakland A's for uh, quite a while. You know, something that we talked to him about, and I've, you know, unfortunately talked to too many pitchers about this is yep. trying to recover from Tommy John. I mean, and for some reason, a lot of people in the media just thought that, you know, this is, hey, you go get a new arm. It's not a big deal. Yeah, you have the surgery, and 12 months later, you're back, and you're throwing harder. And it's like, no, that's not the deal. We've now pushed it back anywhere from 14 months to 18 months. And and like James and other pitchers that we've had, it's not always yeah. smooth sailing. And it, it's really tough to go through this procedure. And I'm sure you're now seeing it in, in kids at such a young age. It's alarming. 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, and you hit it right on the head. People think it's just a magic pill a lot of times. It's just, hey, let's just get a new ligament and, and we'll be back in 12 months. And, and you know, you hear of, of guys not coming back, uh, just not. And I think, you know, Dr. Elitrash and, and, and many of those guys will tell you that it's not, you know, it's not 100% that they'll come back and they'll come back stronger. In James's case, I, I think he had surgery in, in April of 2017. And uh, it was, uh, you know, really uh, a tough, a tough one to, to take. I mean, he, he was, uh, you know, kind of climbing the, the New York Yankee chain. And, uh, you know, they made him a first round pick uh, in, in 2015. And, and then, um, you know, he, he gets that pick, then he gets traded in July of 2017, to, which is always a blow. And, um, you know, then he hasn't done a lot really with Oakland. Um, but over the last, I guess, year, I guess you would say people are starting to see his, his potential and his health. And, you know, clearly I, I was so happy to see him yesterday. Just his health was, you know, 96, 97 with an 87 mile per hour slider. And, um, but you're right. You're, you're, you're hundred percent right. Guys don't come back all the time. So it's, there's a fear factor there. And, Unfortunately, guys are throwing as hard as they ever have, and you're seeing more guys get hurt. And uh, the ramp-up time and the recovery, and there's just a lot of delicate periods in, in a you know in a in a professional life that uh, you just hope that you know he can come back. And we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed that James stays healthy and stays on the track that he's on today. And I and I think about him, and he's been through a lot. He he addressed losing his mother. And then the surgery yeah. and everything. Just tell us what what a strong kid we're getting here in Oakland. Oh, you're getting you're getting a great kid. I mean, this guy understands team. He understands winning. He understands you know. I think you know nature of a clubhouse. Uh, he understands family. Uh, he's very trustworthy. He's very respectful. Um, you know, he was drafted in 2015. If you really do the math. It's not as, as long as people really think it is. I mean, it's 2000, it's 2020, and you know, usually a, a first-round college pitcher, it's it's year and a half, two years, you know, maybe three years. So yeah, there is there has been a, a, you know a pushback a little bit, but I just think you're getting a great person, uh, a guy that, uh, like I said, uh, understands things. He's been through a lot with Barb passing away in in, in 14 and. Um, you know, that was very dramatic as a young man and him growing up and him being a Bruin. And then, of course, you get the Tommy John thing. So I just think he's thankful for what he has. And and uh, I really thought he was calm throughout the entire outing yesterday. People said, oh, I thought he was nervous. I, I didn't see that. Um, he gave up the home run and then he lost a really tough bat to Dubon with that walk. And then he kind of pitched like he, you know, he had pitched. Uh, so I, I just. I just think that he's uh, groomed for that and, and he's prepared. And, and like I said, he's been through a lot. So that, that'll make a, uh, you know, a person tougher. And so I think you're getting a, a really good competitive, you know, right-hand pitcher. You know, one of our favorite guys to bring on this program is Trevor Bauer. And he's, a t- yeah. he's the type of guy that, you know, you know, a lot of the athletes and the team's PR, they're like, only keep them for eight minutes, and they're worried about time. I mean, oh, yeah. next, you know, you're sitting there, it's 25 minutes, and we're still just rapping. I mean, he's he's so much yeah. fun to talk to. 
What was Trevor? And he, I love how he's outspoken. Whether you agree with yeah. him or disagree with him, we've always we've always wanted our athletes to give us real opinions. And then when someone does, they go, "We don't like that." I'm like, "Ah, stop it." The guy's got something to say. I love it. What was he like in college? Oh, he was he was fantastic. You know, he left high school early. Um, not not everybody knows that he left. He, he skipped the senior year in high school to to come to us, and he, and he had to go to Hart High School. His, his fall, so he graduated in December. He came in January, and he was a freshman pitcher of the year by, by June. Um, and then, of course, he was a Golden Spikes Award winner uh, his junior year when Garrett Cole was the number one pick his junior year. So he, he's got to be the only, you know, Golden Spikes Award winner ever to be a number two uh, on any staff. I mean, that, that's for sure. But he was very outspoken, uh, very advanced for his age. Um, mechanically and biomechanics and just visually and uh, training and, and so forth. So he was his own person, uh, but he had a, you know, he had a mature like any, like all, all of them do. And uh, he, he grew throughout his years at UCLA and, you know, clearly he's a, you know, one of the top pitchers in, in the game and uh, along with Garrett certainly, but uh, you know, we just always appreciated Trevor for his opinion uh, and his honesty um, he did have a, a great personality. Um, he wanted the team to win. He was a very, uh, you know, he led us to, uh, you know, playing the national championship game in 2010 along with Garrett. And, um, you know, I think Trevor is really throwing the ball extremely well this season, um, as well as anybody in the league. And, um, like you said, he's just, he's, he's enjoyed to talk to. He's a very, very bright guy and very opinionated guy, which gets him in trouble at times, but, um, but at, at the same time, um, he's honest, and uh, we appreciate that. You know, I, I, I feel so bad for so many of these young athletes. We'll stay in baseball, but really yeah. we could go uh, men's sport, female sports, whether it's college, high school. I just my, – my heart goes out to all these kids who didn't get their se- – I mean, your senior year of high school, to not be able yeah. to play baseball your se- or your senior year of college. And I, and I know there's like an ability for some kids to come back, but some kids are already going to move on. And as a coach, yeah. you know, people don't realize this. You only get so many scholarships and you have to break them up. And it's just, yeah. just how tough has this been for you – in your career, because you know what a lot of people don't understand, and 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 you'll remember my old coach Sam Peraro is is you're an educator. You're just not a baseball coach. Your job is to educate these kids to help because not everybody's going to be Trevor Bauer, not everybody's going to be Garrett Cole. Is these kids need to graduate because they're going to have jobs to support their families someday? So, as a coach, as an educator, just how tough has this been for you? Oh, it's been extremely tough. I I, I feel. 100% exactly the same way. Just my, my heart goes out to, to all the, all the families, all the players, uh, the guys that, you know, lost that experience of their senior year in high school, senior year in college. Um, you know, you just, it, it's lost time that you just can't get back. And, um, you know, unfortunately some of them have moved on. Uh, some of the seniors, you know, in high school, you know, you know, really don't get looked at properly. Uh, they don't get evaluated the, the right way. I mean, I'm at, I'm on. I have another stream, uh, another uh, computer going right now that I'm watching the stream uh, out at Sam Manuel Stadium. Uh, you know, it's just times have changed and evaluation has changed, and 
performance and projection and evaluation. And it's just um, really, really difficult, not only um, on them, but on us as well. Um, you know, just trying to see as many players as you can and what type of shape are they in. Some of them, you know, didn't get really had very limited, you know, workout abilities during, you know, during the time off and some never, never threw or shot a basket or did anything. And uh, regardless of the sport. Yeah, so it, it's just, uh, you know, I just feel for them because the, uh, like you said, the teaching aspect, the culture aspect, they lose the, the atmosphere, the culture, the, the growth development, okay, the personal right, development, right. Uh, the game development, the, you know, the, the strength component. I mean, there's just so many things that, you know, we're going to have to grab back. I mean, we were 13 and two and top five team in the country. And, you know, we have, we're, we're going to have to, you know, really, we have to build, rebuild that team. And, um, you know, it's just so disheartening, really, just for, like you said, all the, all the players that lost those years and, and just, uh, we've got to got, just have to keep our fingers crossed and hopefully we'll get back on the field in uh, 2021. Yeah. And we have no idea what college sports is going to look like from conference to conference. We're hearing that certain sports are just going to be eliminated and it's just, it's really, really yeah. sad what COVID has done to college sports. It's um, I, I feel for so many people out there, you know, one thing that you can help us with, obviously being a national champion and been to the college world series and to the regional so many times is for the first time, really in baseball, we're going to have a tournament field. We're going to have uh, I should say tournament field. We're going to have 16 teams. This is going to be yeah. dramatically different from what anybody in baseball is used to. I just, ha ha I think it's going to be really, really exciting. How do you view a tournament for major league baseball? Oh, I think it's going to be, Awesome. I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to, you know, <laughs> it's going to expose the, the tough and it's going to expose the weak. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be so uh, magnified and all, you know, each year the playoffs certainly are. I just think that, you know, you know, depending on the, you know, is it a one game series? Is it a two best two out of three? Is it, it's just, everything is just so, dramatic and it's going to be like a an NCAA field and people are going to get knocked off in advance and the hot team it's going to be it's all about hot teams and uh, you know a team that may not be playing so well right now could be playing well in in 40 games so it's uh, I mean look at the Nationals last season what they did through the first I mean they would never even been in the playoffs if, if they would have been in a 60 game schedule and, and they, they end up winning a, a world championship I just think it's um you know, it's just the 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 pitching and the defense and the mistakes and the and the you know the 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 good at bats and just the the, the game itself is going to be affected and you're really going to see who who can play and um, it's just uh, like you said I I'm looking forward to that excitement I'm looking forward to that anxiety I, I guess you would say and and that stress level that each game will bring that. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's just ramped up. It's just, uh, it's going at a much faster pace and a faster, you know, um, uh, speed. So um, it should be a lot of fun. I just hope that everybody can stay healthy. The guys are going down left and right. And that's, that's scary, um, you know, pitching particularly. And, and I just hope that, um, you know, by the time we get to playoffs, it, you know, the best teams will, will be in the, you know, I guess sweet 16, you would call it. And, 
and then uh, then it's on, and, and then it's just a mad dash to the to the championship. Well, I got to tell you, we're, we're keeping our fingers crossed, and we're praying that uh, next year college baseball will be back and well to get my beloved Spartans back on the field, and of course, uh, the Pac-12 and your great program, and just get these kids playing baseball again. I just hope that we're going to have that in 2021, and just congratulations to all the success that you've had in your career, and especially at UCLA. Uh, you run one of the great programs that we have in college baseball, so continue to success stay healthy be well and we'd love to check in with you again sometime yeah thank you so much for having me and and i you know it's, a, it's an honor to be to be with you today and, and it's a pleasure and and just like you said we got to keep our fingers crossed and hopefully major league baseball will finish this thing out and 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 move on to next season and and uh, really looking forward to uh, you know keep on following the A's. that was really good stuff that was awesome John is very, very solid. And obviously, UCLA, a very special institution. Also special, coming up next, our old pal Johnny Gomes right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Johnny Gomes was a great A. Terrific player, great leader. Multiple times a World Series champion, and he's making a heck of a coach, and I think someday we'll be a manager in our game. Petaluma's own Johnny Gomes from the Valley of the Sun. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, he's one of my all-time favorites. He's one of the great leaders of men in Oakland A's history. We're bringing him back home. Of course, he's down there with the Diamondbacks right now, but Johnny Gomes is with us. Johnny, it's been a while. Great to hear your voice. How are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Upright, kicking. We got baseball back. I got my coaching hat on. Um, Way different this year, but you know what? We got the game back. We'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I think it meant so much to all of us just to have some type of season and to get things going, as uh, I'm sure you were like a lot of us, worried we may not even have a season. Yeah, yeah, no, I was uh, I was definitely leaning towards no, to tell you the honest truth. But, um, I mean, there's a lot of people, like, out of sight and out of mind that we won't even know about, but it was a huge process to get baseball back. I mean, there's some the mask deal and the city, you know, all these testing and, you know, I mean, it was a huge process to get this thing back rolling. So, I mean, it's a, it's a cheers to all those people that were involved. So you're right now with the alternate site is what we're calling it. The players away from the big club uh, that are getting ready in case they need to be called on. How has that process been for you guys with the Diamondbacks? Um, It's interesting, man. It really is. So it's about, you know, hand selected throughout your minor leagues of 30 dudes, uh, 30 players, which is basically normally, you know, it's triple A all the way down to rookie ball, which is six levels, 25 guys uh, per ball club is what you would normally have. But, you know, it's cut all the way down to 30. Um, Not so much 30, your best, you know, I mean, because we just had, you know, a lot of teams just had uh, the draft or their draft picks that they wanted to bring in uh, and get those guys working. So, I mean, it's pretty interesting, man. I mean, there's the 
dudes in the alternate site like have never been closer to the big leagues as they are now, even if they played in AAA. Yeah, because I guess uh, when the ball club leaves Arizona, they're getting to go play in, in the big stadium, which has just got to be an absolute thrill for these guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, granted, there's no fans and stuff, but I mean, the first time I was ever on a big league field was my first call up, you know, so for these guys to get, you know, their feet wet, we're playing games inside Chase Field. Um, you know, we got some young guys facing some old guys. Uh, at the same time, some of our pitchers, you know, will stay back and they get to face them. So it's, it's huge for our player development side. Um, but at the same time, like, with all these new like health rules and stuff, I mean, a guy could roll in with a hundred and one degree fever and he can't play. He's got to be out and you got to get someone up there just that quick. Not that he was injured or anything. They weren't even planning on it. So um, yeah, these guys got to stay ready. And that's what we're doing. And I think about the young kids, cause we have a few of the young kids that obviously they are not going to be going to the big leagues but it's about them not losing a year and being able to essentially grow as players. How important is it for these young guys to be facing almost big league ready talent and to make sure they don't lose a year of developing not only their skill set, but developing mentally? Yeah, no, I mean, it's so huge. I mean, the most important thing for player development and young guys coming up is nothing more than games lost. The more baseball you see, the more you learn, the more you watch, the more you succeed, the more you struggle. That's true player development, like without having any coach input. Um, you know, we talk about like a 2000 at bat mark. Like you, we don't know the player until he's had about 2000 career at bats. And that's kind of what we get. So when you take away a whole season, we're knocking off between 400 and 500 at-bats with these guys. So the select few that are here, um, you know, they're getting those. and They got to grind, and they might be going against guys way higher than, you know, their skill level, which is good. They're getting thrown to the wolves. And at the same time, there's some guys facing some pitchers that are, you know, fresh. So they got to, you know, they got to bang those guys in a little bit. Um, it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool setup that we have. and. We're getting creative with the game because you just play yourselves. You know, you just have inner squads every single day. Um, so we're keeping it competitive, and it's pretty interesting. And we're really not going to know until the following year, you know, who did it right and who did it wrong. Well, obviously, if there's anybody that knows about good culture in an organization, it's you. You helped develop it here in Oakland in 2012. You've been a part of multiple World Series teams you understand yep. it. Uh, Tori yep. Lavello, we've talked with him multiple times, and he's so into doing things the right way, building it the right way. How do you view the Arizona Diamondback organization? This organization is actually, you know, um, you know, it's one of the younger organizations, right? So there's a lot of minds from other places that are here now. You know, starting from Mike Hazen, who's up top, you know, starting Cleveland, you know, built that Boston ball club that won a bunch of World Series. Um, we got, you know, it's kind of all sprinkled in from a lot of places. So there's a lot of pieces of the pie that are now here in Arizona. So it did take a little bit. I mean, I think there was like four GMs here through, through six years. But the group that the Arizona Diamondbacks have now, um, 
we've ramped our minor league system. I think we went from like the high 20s down to within under, you know, 10 in just two years. Uh, last year, we won three titles in the minor leagues. So it's coming, man. It's coming. And the ball club they have right now, you know, I, I like the ball club they have right now. They just haven't quite hit their stride. Um, not ideal for a 60-game set. But, I mean, you look down, you look up, you can gain five or lose five. So um, every game is playoff atmosphere minus the atmosphere. <laughs> well, it's crazy going into tonight. I mean, you know, the A's are red hot. They won four straight, 13 of 15, pounded the Giants uh, 15 to three, had two thrilling comebacks on Friday. They were down five on Friday, down three on Saturday. They came back. So they're riding this great confidence. And here's the crazy thing. It's like I tell everybody, like, there's only 38 games left. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're 38 games left. You're a fever away from losing your best player. You're a positive test losing a guy for 10 days. Um, I mean, there's no time to look up or look down. You got to have the blinders on and just attack what's ahead of you. And that goes, you know, for, for all 30 teams, um, you know, like what place you're in right now is completely irrelevant. You know, it's just like, you got to win today, win this inning, win this pitch, win this at bat. And then, um, you know, basically when you hear that buzzer, that's when you have time to look up, but you know, as hot as you are, you can definitely get that cold. And, you know how it is. It's peaks and valleys throughout the major league season. And uh, the, the playoffs are expanded, too. There you go. So um, it's, it's going to be cool. It's going to be a fun race down the end. You know, one of the things that I want to ask you today, as someone that's won a multiple World Series and knowing how tough everything is right now, it kind of bothered me. A lot of the old calmness, the old guard were like, ah, you can put an asterisk on this season. And I'm like, wait a minute. These players are having to go through a period of time on this planet and in sports that you've never seen before. A pandemic like this in Major League Baseball. And the fact that this sport is hanging by a thread every single day. And these guys are traveling around in hotels and flights and they're scared and they're worried about their families and they're worried about their kids. And now you're expanding the postseason, so there's more teams, which makes it harder. I honestly believe when this is all said and done, whoever is able to be at the top of the mountain and to say World Series champion, I'm going to look at them as one of the great World Series teams of all time because they've had to go through stuff no one has ever had to gone through before. What do you think about that? I think you totally, absolutely nailed it. I mean, it comes down to like when we're all at home and all this stuff and we have to like check in with the players and, you know, I do these little things and they're like, what do you, you know, what do you tell the players to keep motivated all this stuff? You know, and I talk about like what I coach and how I coach is what I've learned, what worked for me or what didn't work for me. And I never had to go through all this. So who am I to have input on it? Who am I to say like anything right or wrong? It's just, so we got total different views. There's more people involved this year than any other season. There's so much stuff that goes in behind the scenes, you know, with the flights and the buses and the, uh, you know, the checks with the temperature and protocol. And I mean, you see, as soon as you let your guard down a little bit, like maybe St. Louis and Miami, boom, 18 positives. So, I mean, if your team doesn't have any, 
you know, like you, you got to give them a little credit. You know, they're doing a lot more social distance, mask, whatever you believe. This guys are not going out. You know, um, you really have to check in to win this year. This is one of the hardest years ever to win because we know Major League Baseball is a marathon, and we just turned it into a sprint overnight. So I'm I'm totally on board with you. This is a definitely, definitely extremely difficult, you know, ball. Uh, season to win a title because it's really not the best team this year it's whoever's hottest at the end yeah and people love tournaments that's why I, I know some people like oh this is this is just this year I'm like I don't know man I mean they expanded the playoffs in football basketball hockey it's worked for other sports I, I, I got a feeling something like this is here to stay what do you think well that's what you know my thing was with us even playing Right. With us even playing and as smooth as it's gone, what's going to stick? I mean, you know, the most important thing is obviously the DH, you know, the runner at second with extra innings, uh, the expanded roster, the shorting, shortening of season, the double headers, the two sevens. As it stands right now, there's, you know, it's way different, but there hasn't been too many complaints. Um, you know, MLB and the players union got a bargaining agreement to come up and, there's going to be a whole lot of sleep lost with uh, going back and forth. You can count on that. You know, I think about your time in Oakland, and, and I'll never forget this. So we go over this 2012, we go over to Japan and going to be taking on the Seattle Mariners. And obviously those first two games, McCarthy and Cologne started. They didn't go well for the A's. We came back and opened again with the Seattle Mariners. You were my pregame show guest for opening day in Oakland. And you said, this team is going to go to the playoffs. And I know a lot of people yeah. went, I remember a lot of people went, what? 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 What's he talking about? There was something about your belief in the organization. It was special for you to be back home. You, you knew the character of a lot of the guys in the clubhouse. What was it mm -hmm. about 2012 that made you believe and you helped all these other guys believe? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it now, I mean, this kind of goes through a lot of stuff, you know, with the club whole clubhouse, the culture, the environment. When you really get inside a clubhouse of baseball, you need an environment, you need an attitude, and you need a mentality. And you can't have those things if there's not an end goal that everybody believes in. Right. There's no environment without a goal. There's no culture without a goal. And um, where the A's kind of been before, you know, are coming off that big trade with Andrew Bailey and, you know, a lot of guys. And someone just had to step up and set a goal and then truly fight for it instead of just putting it on paper, you know, with, you know, running my pie hole like that. I mean, I truly believe. And I've never took like a rebuilding at bat. I've never had an inning of defense rebuilding defense. I mean, the time is now and 162 game season. We're in first place for four innings and it just so happens to be the last four innings of the season. And that was to me with all these other championships and all these other playoffs. It's, if you don't win the world series, the season kind of gets lost a little bit because, you know, you tip your hat to the champ, but that is one of the most majestic seasons that's happened in a long time. If you remember in the ALDS, when uh, Verlander beat us in game five in Oakland, the whole team tipped their hat to our dugout afterwards. You will never see that again. It was, it was pretty powerful. 
It was. It was a magical year. And, you know, we remember it almost like it was a World Series title because it was just so crazy to think that the Rangers just kept falling and the A's kept winning. And the fact that you could actually get it down to game 162. Never in the history of the game has a team never led. The A's never led the West at all until the very last out of the season. That has never happened in the game, and I doubt that will ever happen again in our lifetime. Yeah, it, it, it won't. And then you talk about, I think it was August 14th, we were 14 back. Um, that's never happened either. There's a whole lot. I mean, we were actually in the Barcelona test positive. We were going down the stretch with a must win with five rookies as our starting five. Um, and, man, you know, and then the following year, I think they had like seven all-stars. And, you know, the, the A's are on the map now. It was, it, it was awesome. And I tell you what, we did our share. But at the end of the day, we can only do so much without a captain of the ship and that being Bob Melvin. And, uh and Bob, I trust. I've said it before. Well, this will be a perfect way to end this because I remember asking Bob at that time, as you guys were going through that great run, I said, Bob, if you could envision anyone on this team being a manager someday, who would it be? And he immediately said, Johnny Gomes. So the yeah. respect that he has for you it, to this day is unbelievable. Uh, for yeah. you, I know you're coaching now. Do you want to yeah. manage? Do you see yourself as being a manager in the big leagues? Um, you know, we'll see. You know, we'll see going down the road. Um, you know, I got two hands. I was fortunate enough to get two rings. You know, the service time, you know, it's 10 years. Put your mark on that. You know, I was fortunate enough to get that. Um, so, but at the end of the day, when you do get a ring, you know, you instantly want to start collecting those things. And you better believe if I was ever to get another one on a coaching staff, I would value it just as much, if not more, um, than a player. So if that day comes, you know, if a ball club comes out and says I'm the man for the job, you know, there's only 30 of those positions in the whole world. 7.5 billion people on the planet, and there's only 30 of them. So you got to be very honored to take that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always up for a challenge and always up to lead, lead a ship. So we'll, we'll see down the road. Well, I can tell you, all these years doing this show, you've been one of our favorites and what you've meant to us, what what we've learned from you. Uh, it, it's been extraordinary. We have nothing but the ultimate respect. Oakland will always be home for you. You're always welcome yep. here. And uh, be safe. Continue to uh, enjoy te teaching. I know a lot of these young Diamondbacks are in good hands. We, we miss talking to you. We'll, we'll reach out again. Yep. Be well, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely, man. I mean, yeah, you're one of the best, too. I mean, it's super easy to talk to you, and you get it. There's uh, there's a lot of puppets out there, and you, you speak very well, and you're passionate, and us guys do appreciate stuff like that. And, um, you know, we'll catch up down the road. we got a nice little series here. Uh, Bob Melvin, too, coming back to the Dimebacks, where he took this ball club to the playoffs as well. So it's good for him, too. Johnny Gomes. It's my guy. I believe in Johnny. Johnny's a leader. Johnny's a winner. You know who's not a winner? Interesting article today on ESPN.com about good for the Cleveland Indians. 
I guess there was a, as they said, a testy meeting on Friday. Indian players are angry at Zach Plesak and Mike Clevelinger. I mean, this is two of their, this is two fifths of their starting rotation, and they have one of the best starting rotations in the game. And so many of their players are angry at these guys for going out in Chicago and then putting them at risk. One one player said, "You bring them back, I'm opting out." And a bunch of their players were so angry, it forced the Indians to send two of their starting pitchers down to the alternate site. Bravo. You're not bigger than the game. You're not bigger than this franchise. Players, whether whether win, lose, without you, because you're selfish. You're selfish. Get out of here. The whole thing rubs me wrong. And then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden you'll hear people go, oh, see. And, and as you mentioned earlier, Cody, like almost people are rooting against it. Oh, see, there was positive tests. Oh, see, this happened. The teams were testing positive, broke protocol. The majority of people in our sport are doing it right. And they should be applauded from the owners to the presidents to the general managers to the managers. Most teams doing great. They're doing great. And they've abided by the rules and protocol. And I applaud the Indian players. When you go out to fool around in Chicago and Zach, please, Zach, have you heard his rebuttal? Oh, my God, it was disgusting. Oh, we're just a bunch of guys hanging out. And we went back to a house. And we're looking at baseball. <laughs> they, those guys have been tested. Oh, who are they? How do you know that? I have that audio if you really want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's a joke. But I, I'm just happy the Indian players said, get out of here. Get out of here. We don't want you. Teaching people a lesson. You are young and you think you're above it all. And one of the reasons why is because everybody in that organization, I watch it with the A's all the time. They pamper and kiss these these kids' butts. It's wrong. And it's amazing. And it teaches them such horrible, horrible habits. It's terrible life skills. You basically tell these young players they're above it all. They're more important than anything. They're more important than anybody in the organization. You're more important. Even though none of you are going to be here forever. No one stays in that. I mean, how many, how many, name me how many guys have ever stayed in the same organization forever? How many? The only guy I can think of recently is Derek Jeter. Willie Mays? No, he went to the Mets, but he came back. But no. I mean, Cal Ripken? Would have been Tony Gwynn. I mean, how many guys stay with the same organization where you play, you either coach, manage, you broadcast, you're an ambassador the entire time. You never go somewhere else. How many guys? The list is small. And like I said, that was a recent guy we can probably think of. Uh, You want to to look at the list of teams? Ricky Henderson. We have Ricky Henderson Field. You want to look at the Angel, the Mariner, the Padre, the Dodger, the Red Sox, Ricky Henderson? Blue Jay. 
It's amazing they pamper the. They basically allow these guys, and they basically tell you that their time and everything about them is more valuable than any of you. Like they're above you as a human. That's how, and so that's how you get this stuff. That's how you get these guys going. Ah, we're going out in Chicago because they feel above everything. Rules don't apply to them. You know what? Rules are applying. Bless you, Cleveland. Teach some lessons. Teach some life lessons. I'm glad they did it. Get out of here. Because you know what? You put all those people at risk. You put their family at risk, their wives, their girlfriends, their children. You're putting at risk because you had to go out in Chicago. You couldn't wait two months. You can go back out in Chicago. You can go to Chicago in October and November and December and January and and February and March. Maybe, just maybe, we can hit the reset button in professional sports and actually teach everybody that they're not above anybody else. We're all in this together. Just because you hit 35 home runs doesn't mean you're more important than anybody else in the organization. You know why? Because you're not going to be here. The longest tenured guys on the A's are Marcus Simeon and Mark Canna. Do you get my point? I applaud what the Indians did. Get them out of here. You put us all at risk because you're selfish. We're all trying to make this thing happen. Where is Ken Korak? Oh, where am I? Or, no, you know what the problem is, Cody? I have a computer that says 401. <laughs> I have a, a phone that says 358. I have no idea what time it is. It's 359 right now. Ken's supposed to call us. I sent him the number earlier. And going back to what he said about the Indians – if this would be this, I think this would be a lesser story if it was like uh, it wasn't someone like Plesak and Clevenger, and it was like a you know someone that wasn't a big name or someone that's a big part of their rotation. But they sent down, as you said, two fifths of their rotation along with Shane. You know, Shane Bieber is their their ace, and he's fine. But you sent down the other two guys that have been dominant for them, and that were helping them. You know, keeping them afloat because their offense stunk to start the season, and now these two guys aren't on the roster. They're at the alternate site, and I'm with you. I bravo, and Oliver Perez was the guy that said he was going to walk away if if they didn't do something to police act and Clevenger. Well, I, I applaud them doing it, and I, I think it's about time that we start teaching everybody in these organizations that no one's above each other. Whether you're a player, you're a coach, you're a manager, you're a broadcaster, you're part of the PR staff, whoever you are, we're all equal. I don't care how many home runs you hit. Everybody should be treated with respect. Everybody should feel safe in their environment. I think the Astros taught us that. Some guy I always feel safe around is because he's the voice of summer. Boy, is he the voice of summer now in this heat. And he's the voice of your Oakland Athletics. The uh, great Ken Korak is with us here on A's Cast Live. Ken, how are you? What's going on, Chris? I'm sitting here in the visiting TV booth at the Coliseum. I have my shorts on. So we're prepared for the weather tonight. Oh, you're going Bill King tonight. Well, I've been going Bill King for the last three days. <laughs> In fact, Catronio and I both had the, well, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was the Bill King look. I mean, I think it's a, it's a step up from that. Let's put it that way. Well, yes, you're not in your underwear, which is a good thing. No, Keep the shorts right. on, man. Keep the shorts on. And, and my shoes are on. I have shoes and socks on, too. By the way, thank God we got that round of golf in. I mean, it's almost like we're living in Texas or Florida right now. 
Yeah, and it's really it's scary too because you're, we're seeing the fires crop up, Chris. And that's I was uh, as I left uh, the house today out in the Tri Valley, and there was a you know a pretty decent sized fire. It looked like not that far away from where I am. Over the hill is on the other side of Dublin, down by Brentwood, I think. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but so this is the time of the year where we, we really have to be careful about things like that. Well, it was fun playing with you the other day and playing up at uh, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club, uh, where I- I'm hoping at some point we have so many great A's fans in the South Bay. You know, once we're able to do golf tournaments again, you know, we do a golf tournament at the East Bay. I'd love to do one like at Cinnabar in the South Bay and be able to tee it up with uh, all of our A's fans down here. I would love it too, Chris, and it's a great way to raise money too and also to meet people, and I think you're right. I mean, it would be a wonderful thing to do, and let's hope we can do that in the not-too-distant future. That'd be really cool. I'm not far away, Ken. I'm not far away. I know. You're getting it together. I know. I mean, I went to the the range today. I almost texted you, so, you know, I'm working on it a little bit myself, so uh, I I think you're getting close. Oh, yeah. Playing tomorrow and hopefully uh, it's getting close. Uh, When I say to you, there's only 38 games left. Like, how does that register? Well, it means the A's are in pretty good shape. And it's really happening quickly, Chris, especially because the A's are playing 30 games in 31 days. And they're handling it really well. I mean, during this this stretch, they're 13 and three. So I don't think anybody minds it because, you know, you had four months without doing really anything. So uh, they're in a great position. I mean, they're going to make it into the postseason. Uh, They're going to get to a point, I think, where seeding will be critical. There are certain teams I don't think you really want to play in the first round. But I know they're going to push really hard because Bull Mel, he's never going to take anything for granted. But, yeah, you look at the standing 16-6 and best record in baseball. So. Uh, it's re- been really fun to watch, and, and obviously some historic things happened in that series against the Giants. You know, the one thing about playing every day is if you're going really good, you can't wait to get to the ballpark. If you're going really bad, you're probably going, oh, my God, we haven't had a day off in two weeks. Yeah. So it's kind of just like the perspective because – if you're someone like Mark Canna, if you're someone like Stephen Piscotty, if you're someone like that, like you can't wait to get up to the plate right now. Right. And the other thing, too, is that I think depth is really important. And when Laureano comes back tomorrow, they can rest some of the, those guys, too, which I think is going to be important. I don't think you have to I – mean, people are focused on you have to push so hard. And you know, everybody knows that each game is magnified when you're only playing 60 games. But I think giving a little bit of rest here and there is not a bad thing. But you're right. And the flip side of that, Chris, would be teams like the Angels, the Mariners, and the Red Sox combined are 27 games under 500. So then you start to wonder about their motivation going forward. I mean, that should not be an issue with most of the teams because so many clubs are going to make the playoffs, 16 out of the 30 teams in baseball. But there are some clubs like those two teams that are really scuffling right now. And we're at a time without any fans where you have to find a lot of your own energy. It's not going to come from the fans. And that's going to be, you know, doubly difficult, I would think, for those clubs. Yeah, I wonder how many, and, and I don't, you know, I, I, I haven't read anything, I haven't heard anything, but as we get, you know, because basically for the most part, players have been paid their money. They got money up front. And certain guys aren't really paying, playing for a whole heck of a lot at this point. Not, you know, the big contract guys are still getting some good loot. 
but guys that are not, um, I wonder how many guys we may see opt out on bad teams as you start getting to September, but uh, we'll see about that. Uh, how about the trade right. deadline is just over just over a week away? Well, two weeks, right? We're two weeks. It's uh, today's today being the seventeenth, so um, literally two weeks from today. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anybody knows. I don't. Do you? I mean, because there's there's so many variables now that we've de- never dealt with before at this point. Of course, the deadline used to be on, and I'm sure it will be next year, July 31st. But you wonder about the economics of the game. Will there be teams that are willing to take on salary? And especially long-term uh, contracts, Chris, when uh, their economic future might be uncertain. And then you also factor in uh, how many teams feel like they're still alive, and is it worth really going for it? Uh, I imagine there'll there'll be teams, Chris, that would like to dump some salary, but how many clubs are going to be willing to take on something like that? That kind of a contract. So it'll be fascinating to see and we'll see if the A's are active. Normally the A's, when the A's have a chance, they're pretty active that Billy Bean and David Forrest will go out and identify uh, players. They think they could really help to bolster their chances. And I don't know, there hasn't been any real talk about that, but the A's in the front office and the, the guys on the club and the staff, I mean, they feel they can really make a run this year and go deep into the postseason. So can the A's add a player? I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it, but it'll be interesting to see how this transpires. I've got a player. Let me let, let's hear it. I'm up. All right. I'm going to start with this. He's 31 years old. Next year he's going to make 6,750,000. That's okay. Okay, it gets better. At the age of 33 at 2022, he's going to make 2,750,000. And then at the age of 34, he's either going to make 10.5 or you got a buyout for only 750000 Are you ready? And his, his name is? Whit Merrifield. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that his name was bandied about a lot last year. He would be a great acquisition. I have no idea what the issue is going to do or if the Royals would trade him. I think they made the decision, Chris, that he was a centerpiece for them and really popular there, and that would be really throwing up the white flag. They feel they can build their ball club around him, so whether or not he'd be available or whether there'd be a package that would be enticing enough, but if the Royals made him available, then a lot of teams would be in on him, right? I mean, there there would be a lot of action on him. Yeah, I mean, that would kind of like... You know, are going to go with Kemp today? Are you going to go to Pender? And, oh, my God, Barreto's not getting it. All of that would go away if you got – you just say, Witt's playing every single day, going to have Witt for the next couple of years, put Pender back in the outfield. He's the super utility guy. I mean, because right now you look at the outfield. I got these numbers. For God's sakes, what Stephen Piscotty's done the last five games – Robbie Grossman has reached base 22 of his last 39 appearances. And then, of course, Mark Canna, even with Ramon Laureano out, the outfield is killing it right now, Ken. They've been great. But let's also make the point and be fair that second base has not been a black hole either. They've done fine there. And Tony Kemp, I think, may have even surpassed expectations so far. He's done a really good job and especially batting second in the absence of Laureano. So it's not like they're dying for a second baseman, but um, I think the point you make is certainly well taken. So Tori Lavello, the manager of the D-backs, is coming up after you at 430. And Cody swears he heard you say, 
your very first A's game, he was playing third base? Well, and the great David Feldman, who knows everything in all the, <laughs> you know, minutiae, the trivial information, seems to know more about my career than I do. <laughs> he said yesterday, you know, when the A's, when you broadcast your first game for the A's, which was in 1996, that Tori Lovello was a third baseman for the Athletics. He was a starting third baseman. Giambi played first. In that game, McGuire was on the deal. Remember, Jason, when he came up, he was the third baseman. But uh, because uh, Giambi, because McGuire was hurt, Giambi played first in the opener. And yeah, Torrey Lavello was the starting third baseman for the A's. Really great guy. That was his only year with the A's. I remember him being just so easy to talk to and the, the kind of guy that you knew would have a future in the game, even when he was done playing. Santa Monica kind of grew up near where I grew up and then UCLA. So I'm not surprised he's had a lot of success with the Diamondbacks. He reminds me, because we got to know him down at the winter meetings and uh, the interview that we did with him, we already did today. And it was great because he was on the, he was on Google meet. So we got to see each other. And, uh, and of course we've talked off the air now a couple times. He reminds me a lot of Bob Melvin. He's very smart and he understands the culture of the clubhouse is so key. Yes, you can have great players, but the key is how do we how do we all come together and how do we all fight for the common good and how do we win games together? He just so reminds me of Bob, and it's it. And obviously, for us, what we know about Bob, it's the ultimate compliment. Well, and Melvin embodies everything you want in a manager. I'm sure you agree. And Tori Lovello, I think, is – and we, you know, I haven't spent much time around him at all because we're in different leagues now, and the A's haven't played the D-backs in a couple of years. But he is really – you're right. And, and, and having that feel – you have to have a feel. And numbers are great. And I think we've always – I think, you know, what Vince and I talked about over the weekend was, the, it, I mean, a blend between numbers and feel – and what your gut tells you is really important when you're identifying players, you're in the front office or managing. And so I think that, that Lavello, I think that's a good comparison, Chris, and you have to have that. Uh, and let's, you know, Bob Melvin, uh, he doesn't miss anything, right? Things just worked out beautifully in the series against uh, the Giants. You can second guess some of the things that Gabe Kapler made, did, but having Pinder right there to pinch hit as soon as the Giants went to the left-hander and having Pinder come in and hit a home run yesterday. So, uh, but I'm sure Tori Lavello would be thrilled to hear the comparison you made between him and, and uh, Bo Mel. You know, on the manager's show, to, you haven't done it yet, right? No, I mean, he's, uh, the, the Zoom meeting is at 4.30. Probably do uh, the manager's show around 4.45. I have a request, kind of like a DJ. I, I have a request song okay. for you. How do you break Can you play that? Three Dog Night? <laughs> can we get some more free bird ken um, really exactly okay so chris bassett's going tonight we now Correct. know that frankie is going to go tomorrow but that still leads me with my problem i want to somehow separate and get somebody in between lazardo and Manaya. and i was looking not based off of baseball but i was looking based off our uh our golf schedule. We don't have a day off until September 14th. How do you break up Lazardo and Manaya from going back to back? Well, I think you've mentioned that before too. And you're looking at the two lefties, right? I mean, and also the fact that you don't expect them to go deep in the game. So it might, 
affect the bullpen? Is that I think that's the point you're trying to make, Chris? Well, yeah, and, and also I don't like the fact that for the first game, if they're going back to back, that the hard thrower's going first. I rather the hard thrower go after the guy who doesn't throw hard versus one night I got to look at 98 and then the next night I'm looking at 91. I, I I don't like that. Why not? I think you might be overplaying this deal. I think you might be overanalyzing the whole thing. But well, I mean, it wouldn't they, be the they, first. they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the first time that you want to separate two lefties because you don't want to give maybe the team the same look. Although they're completely different pitchers, so I don't know how they're going to do that because, like you said, the next day off isn't for a couple of weeks, and and so I mean they're in the middle of playing thirty out of thirty-one, so you're going to try to keep guys on their fifth day and given good health. I don't see them changing the rotation. You need a day off to, to do that, to maneuver things, unless you wind up saying we're going to have a spot starter come in and, and, and make a start and work it out that way. Uh, we had John Savage on the UCLA head coach earlier today. How about that Bruin on Bruin hate yesterday? Caprellian getting taken deep by Crawford in his first mm-hmm. A.B.? Yeah, and I thought what Kropillion did was impressive because he gave up the home run and then he walked the next hitter, Dubois, and then he pitched great after that. So that's a real test, right? I mean, you're nervous to begin with in your major league debut and all the anxiety and all that and the the pressure that is mostly self-imposed there. And he bounced back and he did a nice job, I thought. But yeah, the, the older Bruin got the younger Bruin in that matchup. But I thought Caprillion, we really haven't seen hardly any of him at all. Little bits and pieces in spring training. He was throwing 96 miles an hour, 95, 96 consistently. Had a pretty good little breaky ball and a changeup. So he's one of those guys where you just hope that he stays healthy. Because it's, it's really a great story because rehabbing is no fun. It's lonely. You miss two full years. You have the self-doubt. You wonder if you're ever going to pitch again. Guy that had all those, all that promise, and I, I know you mentioned this that he, you know, coming out of UCLA as a first round pick. So credit to him for perseverance, and he's a big part of the A's future. And the A's have several guys that you look at right now that are part of that wave of guys coming up. So they're in really good shape, given good health. I mean, Dalton Jeffries, you could add him to the mix. He's down in San Jose at Chris Townsend Ballpark down there with the A's at the alternative site. So they've got a chance uh, with these young pitchers. Well, I got to tell you, Ken, um, I've never been so happy to work in my career. Like, you're not going to hear any of us complain about working every day. I'm happy to work every day. I look forward to doing this every day. I've been looking forward to doing this show. Uh, You know, so other than that, we know how grateful we are. What's your favorite part of the season so far? Well, I think that I think what you what you just said, it's the fact that we have a routine and this is what we've done. And I think we're not alone in that for, for three solid months, you kind of wonder how you're going to get through the day because it, it's, it's like there just isn't that much to do. And I, you know, we still haven't, I still haven't gone out. I really haven't been to the market or to a restaurant. I'm not alone in that. I'm not complaining. But the fact that we have something to do when you get up in the morning, I think has been so vital. So I, I still enjoy doing my homework when I get up. Uh, I still enjoy coming to the ballpark and, and for you know, I love my wife. We had a great time, but I didn't see anybody. Didn't see any of my friends. So I think from a social standpoint, at least to have people to hang out with, I'm looking through the glass and there's Vince Catronio right here and our engineer, you know, with Mike Kripichka. So uh, it's brought about a sense of normalcy. And I think the other thing 
I know you and I have talked about this, is the fact that A's fans seem to be enjoying the fact that the games are on the radio and they're on TV and they can follow the progress of this club every day, which is one of the great things about baseball. The chapters and the, you know, the pages of the book get turned every day and the fact they've played so well. So I think that this is a, a, a season for the A's that has meant a lot to the A's fans. So, you know, and that's why we're doing it. That's why we're working right now. If we can bring a little joy and a diversion to uh, the A's fan base, that's what it's all about for us. Yeah, I never thought I'd be just so happy to be outside like we were the other day where you're just you're looking around at beautiful rolling hills and, you know, you're just like thankful to be out. Yeah, golf's meant a lot to me, I have to admit. I mean, it's not like salvation. It's weird, too, not to belabor the point about doing the games off the TV monitor. I was thinking about this today because it's like like the, the tree falls in the forest kind of thing. Like here we are getting really excited about what's happening and we're looking at a TV screen and all this stuff's happening in San Francisco over the weekend. Like, is this really happening? Is it really real? We're not there, but it has been so far. I was thinking about that. We'll end on this because I don't know what your guys' feed is because I'm listening to you guys on Ace Cast, obviously, and I got the I got the sound turned down, but it's like, are you just getting the regular television feed? That's an excellent question. I'm not sure. <laughs> Tonight we will get the TV feed. Like I've got, I've got two monitors here. The one that's right in front of me is what everybody will see at home. What you'll see at home, which is the NBC California feed, because they're doing the game, and they're taking the feed from Arizona. So what they're getting is provided by the technical and production people for the Diamondbacks. It, it goes from Phoenix to the A's production truck, which is down below us here in the Coliseum. <clears throat> now, the only real issues we've had have been on the network games. Because for whatever reason, because those guys aren't here, Saturday wasn't a, a local telecast. We're having a tough time with the network games. And what we're watching, just they're not giving us a real good look at the game. So Saturday was a little bit of a challenge, especially early in the game. Now, I've got this other big monitor that I'm looking at. And I turned to my left. It's an oversized TV screen, and they have what's called the All Nine, where you can look. It never moves. It's a stationary camera that's high above home plate, Chris, and you can see all the the fielders. So it's a good way to determine where the defense is playing, so you don't get messed up on shifts. It's hard to follow the ball off it because the camera is so far away. Then, depending on where the team is, the other little boxes that you see, it looks like we're going to get a look at the two bullpens here today, and maybe one stationary camera on the scoreboard. But that kind of varies from uh, game to game and depending on uh, where the A's have been playing. So that's kind of a synopsis of the way it looks for us. Well, don't worry about it. It sounds good, my friend. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. Okay, buddy. Thanks for having me. Ken Korak, the voice of your Oakland Athletics. MLB Network giving a lot of love to the A's today. You'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Sean and you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. All righty. lot going on. Stop sending me stuff, Cody. You're blowing my mind here. Jerry DePoto, the Mariners, told Jim Bowden and Jim Duquette on MLB Network 
He expects we'll hear rumblings of young player for young player trades across industry leading up trade deadline. John Morosi. So he responds. Oh, so okay, that's from John Morosi. So he must have been listening and then says, I understand the logic. Teams are generally more aware or team, excuse me, teams are generally more averse to adding payroll when compared to prior deadlines. And there's uncertainty regarding the upcoming free agent market. So make some 2021 moves now and rebalance your depth chart at low financial cost. What does that mean? I was just trying to figure out the the young player for young player thing. And I'm like, okay, Jerry DePoto, what's he known for? Trading away players. So I'm like, all right. So Kyle Lewis's day, Kyle Lewis's days in Seattle are numbered. He's their best young player right now. Maybe he trades him for someone else. Who knows? Like, I, I don't think we're going to see Ronald Acuna Jr. traded for Juan Soto. But, <laughs> but we, I'm curious to see, like, you know, that is much so much more appealing to me than hearing about how a team might trade for Matthew Boyd. Because, wait, wait, wait. Matt, Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the trading block? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe the Padres will trade him to the Dodgers for uh, Gavin Lux or Corey Seager or, you know, something like that. Although you could okay. see something like Seager get traded for, like, Lindor. That could be something that could happen because lower costs for the Indians. Going forward, the Dodgers really don't care about money. Okay, so I got a list of guys that they think 25 plus it 25 plus 25 players Kevin Gosman could see that he threw the ball real well against the A's what do you have 10 K's I think it was 11 and what five and two-thirds he has like 34 he had, in the season already. Uh, he had 11 K's and five and two-thirds okay I can see him moving Drew Smiley he's on the IL right now though right yeah but he was pitching pretty he was pitching a pitching okay for the Giants when he was healthy. Uh, Last time we saw this guy, he looked like he was a Hall of Famer, Taiwan Walker. Jordan Yamato of of Miami. Why would they trade him? I like him. He's young, too. He's pitching tonight. That makes no sense. I don't get Alex Dickerson. A lot of Giants are on this list. Uh, Jacoby Jones of the Tigers. Former Pirate, but he's actually having a nice year with with Detroit. They got two hit wit on here. I take wit. Can we? Can, am I? Am, am I? Am I speaking to the masses here? Can 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 wit? I want wit. He what? He signed that deal last year. Friend of the program, Whit Merrifield. At age, he's thirty one now, but at the age of thirty, he signed that deal. Was it like four years, sixteen million or whatever with the the Royals, and and they locked him up. And you know they're going to lose Solaire probably next year. I think, and they're they're rebuilding for the future. But you're seeing. I would love to see Merrifield here. The, all he does is get hits, and he's hitting home runs this year. So where we're, we're home runs are supposed to, we're supposed to be down, we're seeing him hit home runs. So I'd lo- I'd love to see him here in the uh, the green and gold or the Kelly greens or whatever uniform you want to see him and insert uniform here. I'd he'd be great for the A's. Just looking at guys we would care about. Is Matthew Boyd on the list? Uh, Colin Moran, Mitch Moreland, Austin Nola. Kevin Pala, Jonathan Scope, Yaz. They got baby Yaz on it. They're not trading the giant. Him. Well, he's their best player. They're not trading him. That'd be a shrewd move. I mean, he's he's twenty nine. He's in up being thirty. Well, yeah, their two best players are 
Donnie Barrels, Don and Solano, who's 32, and Yaz, who's going to be 30. All right, relievers, Heath Embry, Greg Holland, uh, Givens, Jimenez with Detroit. Him and Givens uh, both have good stuff. Keela, uh, don't, Keona I'm Kelly. not a ranger, I'm a pirate now. Keona Kelly, yeah. Kennedy with KC. None of these. Rosenthal. I'm not trading for Trevor Rosenthal. Come on. He's with the Tony Watson. They got Tony Watson could be available. Pretty much every giant player. Every Giants player is on that list besides Crawford, Belt, and uh, Posey. <laughs> and Pablo and Hunter Pence. All right. What uh, Before we get to Tori Lovello, manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, what uh, intentional talk? What did they have to say today? Well, they were they were talking about uh, are the A's. It was Millar and uh, Chris Rose, friend of the program. They were talking about if uh, the A's are the best team in Major League Baseball, and uh, it starts out pretty well with Kevin Millar when he gets asked by Chris Rose. All right, Kevin. So the A's have won 13 of their last 15 heading into tonight's game out in Arizona. They're 16 and six overall. It's the best record in baseball, but are they the best team in baseball? Could be, Chris. Could be the most complete team. I'm going to tell you that. When you have the best record and you hit home runs, you field, you pitch, you pitch at the back end of your bullpen like a day. Good eye, Mike, Lane Hend- Hendricks. Uh, this club is its fun to watch. So, yeah, they could be the most complete team in baseball. Probably not the most recognized group of guys, but probably the best, com- most complete. Not the best, but most complete right now. Uh, you know, when you play against these guys, you probably walk off the field and go, wow, they're good. They hit, they got pop, and they throw hard with nasty stuff. So I, I don't know where, you know, their weakness is other than they don't have the Hollywood contracts, you know, because the Dodgers are a darn good club and they're so deep. So you could sit there and go, yeah, the depth of the Dodgers is long. And yeah, they're probably the best club lengthwise. But you sit around, and you watch this Oakland team, and you're like, I'm going to tell you. Just because they don't have, you know, a couple hundred million dollar contracts, they're probably the most complete team in the big leagues. Uh, but make no mistake, they got guys that are about to get paid. I mean, Marcus Simeon is a free agent. He's he's a great shortstop. We know that. You got the yeah. two Mats. You got Matt Chapman at third. You got Matt Olson. And by the way, Olson, I was kind of ticked off that you got three knocks yesterday and they were all singles. I mean, what, what are you doing? I thought you were on this nice little home run binge where every <laughs> time you put the ball in play, it was going to be a home run. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, bullpen's been awesome. Joaquin Soria is like back to the days of old. He has yet to give up an earned run in over nine innings pitch. Good work there. Uh, the rotation, you know, Frankie Montas has kind of grabbed the reins and been the guy there at the top. Sean Manaya is still good. You know, I mean, if I had to pick a team and, and you say, Chris, who are you shoving all your chips in on? I'm going to go with either the Dodgers or the Yankees. But that doesn't mean I don't like the A's. I mean, if I think that they're the third best team overall right now, that's not snub them, is it? No. I mean, you know, they got to understand, and, and I was watching Russo today, and he made a good point. Not that you're taking any credit away, but you're going to take a little credit away. When you're on a hot streak like this, you don't want to make a living this way. So I think that's the point. When you play a guy against a team like the Yankees and you're, and you're coming back against bullpens like the Giants or weaker bullpens, mm-hmm. you know, it gets magnified early. Like, oh, my God, this ace team's unbelievable. But you're not going to do that against the big boys bullpens usually. You're not going to make a living off, off a role as Chapman in the postseason coming down right. in a 7-2 game like they did the other night when Piscotty hit that grand slam tight in San Francisco. But this team is complete. When we talk about complete, I'm talking about all the way around. 
Yes, and that's what I'm talking about. Yankees got a lot of injuries. Every team goes through injuries. Dodgers are lengthy, but you look at this Oakland club, they do a little bit of everything really, really good, and I love their manager, Melvin. You know, whenever you hear stuff like that and certain stuff is said where you go, it's very hard to follow every single team. It really is. It's hard to know. You can't watch every single team. So when you watch one team, every single pitch, you know the players, you know them personally, you know everything that's going on. These national guys can't. And so when he says Sean Manaya, and you go, what's he been watching? Well, he's not. You know, right now, if you start a playoff series, Sean Manaya's not. If you have a three-game playoff series, whoever wins two moves on. Shamanai is not touching the baseball right now. So it's like, I don't know, Commander. I kind of take some of that stuff with a grain of salt. They don't. They they have the notes. They have producers. But do I think that Kevin Millar staying up at night to watch A's games when he's in the central time zone there in Austin, Texas? Probably not. It's Chris Rose who is also with the NFL Network, probably getting ready for the NFL season, grinding, watching A's game. Eh, probably not. So I don't know. I like the fact that they mentioned the A's and they gave the A's love. I just don't. You know, it'd be like if you said to me, hey, let's break down, give me a team. I'd be like, I don't know. I'm not watching every – there's no other team I'm watching every game. Put some respect I mean, I on the Orioles' name. Huh? Put some respect on the Orioles' name. They're, they're exceeding everyone's expectations this year. Anthony Santander is a great player. Tied for the Major League lead in RBIs. I know all the teams, except for the Pirates, who stink, so I stopped watching. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because you've, you've, you've been grinding out every Brewer game. Big sweep over the weekend against the Cubs. Rossi uh, uh, not looking great right now. Oh, you've been grinding Rangers baseball. You and C.J. Nikowski. Don't sleep on the Todd father. He's hot recently. And Lance Lynn but, doesn't lose. I, I'm glad they talk A's. And it's great we're getting talked about. That's fantastic. It's just, I mean, do they know what they're talking about? I don't know. Well, the one thing just popped up on Twitter a little bit ago, too. Uh, Buster had Tim Kirkshin on his podcast uh, a few days after Kirkshin hosted the podcast for Buster last week. And they asked which team has the best chance of winning its division uh, right now. And, and Kirkshin picked the A's. So, uh, we're starting yeah, to go- they're all now picking the A's because the A's have a, have, have they have the, they have the most. Oh yeah, that's really uh, that's really going out on a limb, Tim Kirkchen. It's a bold, it's let's a see. bold pick. <laughs> let's see. Yankees have a two-game lead. Twins have a one-game lead. Uh, Marlins and Braves are tied, and they have a two-game lead. Uh, the Cubs have three and a half, and the Dodgers have a two-game lead. Uh, who has the biggest lead in baseball? That'd be the A's. Isn't it four and a half games over Houston? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Tim Kirch. And you're picking the team that has the biggest lead in baseball with 38 games left. That's really going out on a limb right there. Yeah. Well, hey, at least they're talking about the A's. So you're starting to see a little more uh, national uh, respect given towards the A's. And you mentioned Shamanaya quickly. You called me the other day and we're talking about expected ERA. You know what his expected ERA is today? I went back and looked on Baseball Savant. It was 474 last time I checked. It's almost under four now, 405. Such a joke. Uh, If you don't know what expected uh, ERA or batting average is, it's based on quality of contact 
exit velocity plus launch angle plus strikeouts. So basically when the ball hits the bat and the way the ball comes off the bat, because they can't tell you ballpark factors. They can't tell you where the defense is. None of that matters with this, this expected uh, ERA or batting average. It's just basically how hard the ball was hit. And if the balls hit hard, the chances are good things happen for the hitter. Bad things happen for the pitcher. I just, I've watched, I believe in analytics, but sometimes, let's just face it, sometimes analytics lie. Oh, I agree. And you, and you could say, well, you know, that one start of the game where the guy blooped the ball down the line against Manai, okay. But in the end, the name of the game is hit them where they ain't. So whether you smoke it 8,000 miles an hour or you do what Yaz did yesterday with one of the weirdest hits you've ever seen <laughs> where he thought it was fat. As my mother used to say back in the day when I'd be like, yeah, God, I was two for four, but I really did. My mom used to say, it doesn't matter because it all says the same thing in the scorebook. You get a base hit, whether it's a Texas leaguer or you ripped it a hundred miles an hour, a base hits a base hit. So Sometimes the expected ERA or the expect because there's no Sean Manai has not pitched well. I think we would all agree with that. There's not one point uh, you were happy. I mean, he almost he almost fell apart again in San Francisco in the fourth inning. I mean, he's not Sean Manai would not come on this program right now and say, "Oh yeah, I've been great." No, he hasn't. He knows that. The other guy that I was looking at too was Mike Fires because I wanted to see what his was. He actually has a high his. Uh, um, expected ERA is actually higher than his actual ERA, so that's a little. That's where you where you look at. You're like, how much value do you put in X? You know, expected ERA, which you know, I I love all that stuff. But you know, his expected his ERA in the season is five nine six. His expected ERA is six point one four. So they're saying that he's actually had better luck, or uh, with pitching, where Sean Maddox had worse luck with what's going on. I'll give you a great one before we get to Tori Lavello. One of the reasons why Billy Butler was signed is there was some type of measurement of how hard he had been hitting the baseball. How did that work out? Three years, 30 million, because he's hitting the baseball hard. How'd that work out? Never played in the big leagues again. I almost gave you Mark Hanna's uh, Bapit that the read off to him when we were talking to him. You're like, hey, what is it? It was like uh, for the batting last, like, average ball put in play. What is it? It was like for the last like week. I think it was like 462 or something like that. Whereas like expected, whereas actual batting average is like three. I think I sent it to him. Remember what it was? It was like three something. Whereas like, but his Bapit was like 460 uh, or something around along those lines. So, hey, what's his batting average when he doesn't put it in play? Oh, it's a great one. Zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 360 is what he hit in the last week. So last Monday to Sunday, oh. he hit 360. So, so here's, a little, here's a little San Jose State math. If you don't put the ball in play, you get no numbers. You get zero. So that's why contact is kind of a, kind of a big deal. Because if you don't make any contact, you have no number. It's called flatline. 
you're dead. So if you're well, I mean, if you want to be technical, your on base percentage could go up, but that's really about it. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a really <laughs> great on base percentage if you never make contact. Because you never make contact, that means pitchers are really gonna walk you because you can't put the ball in play. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing with, I mean, who who was it? Sarah Langs who gave it to us. Somebody gave it to us. Hey, Chris Davis swings at the first pitch over now 75% of the time. Yeah, it was it was Sarah with Chris Davis. I actually can look. I need how about, how about his walk yesterday? He's down 0-2. He's down 0-2-1-2 every single at bat. And if he get if you walk Chris Davis right now, it's like shame on you. If I was the pitching coach, I'd walk out and go, Are you kidding me? This guy swings at the first pitch every single time. I mean, he swings at the first pitch 70, but I mean it's right in that range. 75% of the time. He's I, I guarantee you 80 something percent of his at bats, he's down 0212. That's not good. All right, earlier today, we sat down with a really cool guy. And he's doing a very good job. Is the last 11 games, the Diamondbacks are eight and three. They've hit 16 home runs. They've scored 76 runs, and they're hitting 305 as a ball club. They're playing good baseball. They're back to 500. Here is the skipper of the Snakes, Tori Lavello. You know, the last time we saw you down in San Diego at the winter meetings, we talked about how we were looking forward to, to watching your ball club play. How have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, you know, that was when it was all normal, right? Probably the last time baseball people were all together in one place. Um, but everything's been going good. You know, we're, we're glad to be back at it. We're glad to be back on our feet playing baseball again. And I know the whole industry is moving forward day by day, which we're really excited about. And, you, you know, as I ever since we, we had you on, it's like the only time I've ever rooted for the D-backs was against the Yankees in the World Series back in the day. But now we're pulling for you. And obviously being a former A, and, and I'm looking at your first 11 games versus your last 11 games, Boy, your offense has really turned it on. Yeah, first of all, I appreciate you guys having our back, right? I mean, that's nice that we're feeling some support from some American League uh, teams. And uh, we're playing good baseball right now. And I know for the next four days, you're going to be totally a, total A's fans, which is fine with me. But um, we've been doing a lot right. Over the first uh, 11 games at 3-8, and eight, it, was, it was a really tough environment. But these guys dug in. They dug together. They believed in one another. And I think the character of these guys showed up every single day. We knew we'd hit. But it was about practicing the right habits and maybe the season sped up on us maybe the shortened spring training had an impact on us but it didn't seem to bother other teams and we were kind of confused by it but we we got back to our basics we talked about just believing having good at bats we did a lot of our work behind the scenes to make that happen a little bit quicker and it's been very they've been very uh, responsive since that time you know you talked to us in december so much about culture and mm -hmm. changing the culture in the clubhouse and really having the team mentality where obviously baseball is about stats and we're always looking at guys stats, but in the end, what's more important, it's about winning baseball games. And not only in a time like this now about winning games, but protecting each other and keeping everybody safe. And just, just talk about what your clubhouse has been like in, in such a strange and odd year. Yeah, it's a little bit different um, for those that have been in our clubhouse prior to the, the, the virus situation and, and after. It's a totally different look. It's kind of broken up. It's sectioned, smaller groups in different pockets. But that hasn't prevented our guys from staying together and believing uh, that they can stay near each other and root for one another. And, you know, 
really what this culture is all about is uh, some of all parts is better than just one person having a good day. So if we want a baseball game, I think the guys know like, hey, we want a good game. I want to I want to put aside what's frustrating me today, work on it, make make sure that I'm a part of that equation tomorrow. And, you know, I see I see a lot of brotherhood. I see one guy talking to another guy. Uh, we have really good young players that are being mentored by some guys that have done it the right way for a long time. And that's when it starts to get very powerful. You know, it, it, it's something that trips people out, um, but I, I'm going to say it to you, too. I Look, you know, after the A's just swept the Giants and had the big win yesterday, 15-3, to three, there's only 38 games left in the season. That's it. Yeah. yeah, it's scary. It's scary. And, yeah, watch some of your highlights, obviously, looking at as much video as possible. Uh, the most recent games, I mean, the A's look like they were taking batting practice, right? They put a thump on, on, on the Giants, and they're a quality baseball team. So, you know, we we don't what we talked about at three and eight. We're going to talk about at eleven and eleven. We can't put one game or one series or one team ahead of anybody else right now. We got to take care of today. We know the A's are a quality baseball team, and with thirty-eight games left, that's got to be our granular granular focus. Because at the start of the season, we're like in a panic. We've got sixty games. We got it. We got it. We got it. That definitely didn't work for us. So we got to take care of today. We know quality teams walking in here, uh, and we got to play our best game. You know, we've had a couple guys get out to slow starts, and my whole thing was mentally, how are you going to deal with that? And for for you as a player, you now a coach, a manager, psychologist, whatever you have to do, yeah. uh, what do you do with a guy that – I mean, I'm looking at our own Chris Davis. I mean, what do you do with a guy who gets out to a slow start? Next thing you know, he's looking up and he's batting a buck fifty. Yeah, we've had a couple of those guys, and it's hard. It's hard to watch them walk through that. Um, but to have the belief in them and know that they're going to keep working hard every single day, we're going to have some good results. A perfect example of that was Eduardo Escobar. He was probably hitting in that 150 range. He was he had 120 RBIs last year, uh, had a monster offensive year, and was one of our main catalysts inside the clubhouse and on the baseball field. To have him come into my office and tell him after the Colorado series that I was going to combo a day off with a um, a day off from the from the game to spend two days kind of researching, talking about getting a feel for your swing. Those types of things are we're having conversations with those guys all the time. He went in, he banged away out, and he had two really good work days. And the, the results have been very positive with a big three run home run that helped us win a game yesterday. So there's different strategies. You just got to be able to tap into the guys. You got to be able to communicate with the guys. And trust me, I've had Eduardo in, and I said, look, you're not the only guy that's struggling. It's league wide but I believe in you. You're going to come out of this. When good things happen, you're going to help us win games. I've asked Bob Melvin this, and I'm going to ask you, is, is the most important thing for you and your gig is trust? The players have trust in you? For sure, for sure. Um, look, we, we talk about part of our culture is, um, you know, communicating and building trust. And when they know you care and you trust, it's very powerful. And I'm going to make some mistakes. I'm not going to handle a lot of every situation just perfectly. I don't know what manager does. And when I do make a mistake, I talk about it openly with the guys and share with them and let them know that I would do it differently the next time. But here's my thinking. And I expect the same in return. What we talk about here is what's important to them is really important to me. So I want to make sure that I listen. And the bond and the trust here is very strong and it's very real. These players, go out, they go out and perform without the worry or expectation of what the manager's thinking because I've already covered that with them. And I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but one of the things that we talked about down in San Diego at the winter meetings was, you know, you guys have the Dodgers. We've had the Astros. A's win 97 games, two straight years, and it only got you into a wild card game, right? And, yeah. and you've been fighting for the wild card. 
Well, since we've talked a lot's changed, there's now going to be 16 teams. The playoffs are going to be much different. What, what What's your thought process like when you now know, wait a minute, it's just not about one division winner and a wild card. Now there's going to be eight teams in the National League in the postseason. Yeah, obviously we're excited about that. We like the expanded role or expanded playoff situation because of the situa- situation we got off to. The three and eight start has kind of put us in a situation where you know, we, we're, we're going to hunt down the team in front of us, and that's all we got to worry about for right now. But the way I look at it is you just got to get into the big dance. You get into the big dance, you can hit some big three-pointers down the line. You never know what could happen. A hot team, look at look at what happened to the Nationals last year. Uh, they won a play-in game. They ended up going the whole way and, and getting hot at the right time. So anybody's beatable. We respect everybody in our division. We, expect, we respect everybody that we're going to be playing this year and potentially down the road in the playoffs. We just got to take care of our business. When we do, we're a good baseball team. We get hot, anything can happen. You know, got to ask you about Madison Bumgarner because so many people up here have watched him pitch his entire career with the San Francisco Giants. And we look at the numbers. Obviously, it's not the start he wants. Is You know, he's a very proud man, and he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers of all time. But we've seen a, 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 the lack of velocity that we normally see from him. And obviously so many of these pitchers with this summer camp and didn't have enough time. How's he doing? I know he's on the IL. Yeah, he's doing just fine. As a matter of fact, I'll connect with him right after I get done with you guys. I'm going to go on and, um, and spend a few minutes with him because he did throw a sim game today up to 50 pitches and I didn't get a chance to see it, but I want to get a bird's eye view and see what he thought about how the outing went. So he's in a progression right now to get back on the field and help us win some baseball games. We got to remember that, uh, you know, he, he's a pretty dominant presence and he's got unbelievable stuff and he's helped our baseball team, even though he hasn't pitched up to his capabilities. But we got him. We brought him in here to pitch and pitch well. And we know that that will happen. But when you get banged up and you try to go out there uh, to help your team so you're, you don't burn your bullpen, what you quickly realize you're probably doing more more harm than good. So that's why we put him on the disabled list. He's recovering. He's doing well. And when he gets back out there, we know we're going to we're going to rely on him in a big way. Let's end on this. One of the funny things coming out of San Diego at the winter meetings was your great story about your birthday and Art House sending you down on your birthday. And a bunch of people are like, you can't send a guy down on his birthday. Come on. Yeah, God, you got a good memory. I'll tell you what. We were in Toronto. I just had a great lunch with Scott Brocious and Mike Bordick, and it was wonderful. We walked to the ballpark. We play in the game, and then we were going to have a, a nice big dinner at a restaurant. And, you know, it was a show dinner. It's what you love, right? It's my day. It's my birthday. And that blew up. I was on a plane back to San Francisco to, to get sent down out to Edmonton. But that's the beauty of the game. Art was so genuine and so real. And talk about trust. When he told me we're sending you down and it's painful and it hurt, that made me feel better. He said that he'd do all that he could to get me back. Unfortunately, it happened. But I love my time with the A's. Billy Bean obviously running the show there has was unbelievably uh, fair to me gave me a chance and that's all i could ever ask for hey you're one of our favorites we're pulling for you not for these next couple days but in the national league west we're pulling for you i hope to god you guys get into playoffs and uh probably the next time we'll see you spring training but we want to talk to you later on the season so continued success keep winning keep doing what you guys are doing down there in the valley of the sun stay safe and we'll talk to you soon Likewise, guys. Always a pleasure to spend time with you. We're fans of the snakes now. They got a couple. They got a. They got a few players on there that are that are, that are fun to watch. They got the Marte guys, no relation, and Cattell and Starling. Uh, I mean, people. A lot of people like to watch Bumgarner pitch. I don't know if you saw Robbie Ray's line yesterday. Five innings, one earned run, six walks, five Ks or four Ks. 
no hits. So he threw a no-hitter through five innings, but he allowed to earn run because he walked six guys. Another guy that people think could be traded at the deadline, but the Snakes are in it, so I don't see why they would. And, you know, I was looking at their team earlier, and, and they have a bunch of guys that have two and one home runs, and that's really about it. Not Cole Calhoun, former Angel, six home runs on the season for the Snakes. So, and he's hot right recently. I know he's only batting like 230, but six homers, 17 RBIs. He's no, he knows the A's probably better than anyone on that team, so he's a guy to probably watch this series. And they got Zach Allen going tonight, who is a highly touted prospect for the Marlins, who they actually traded for. They got, uh, was it Jazz, Jazz Chisholm went to the, the Marlins, and they give up Gallon. So uh, I like what the Diamondbacks are doing. They have a good, they have a young front office that knows what they're doing. Torrey's a great manager in, the, he, in that clubhouse respects him. So you're right, uh they got two fans, uh, new fans for well, not new. We, we've been rooting for them since we met him. Uh, just not these next you couple want me days. To give you real numbers. Here's some real numbers. Cole Calhoun, last six games hitting three thirty three, four home runs, ten RBIs. Real numbers. Starling Marte, last eleven games hitting four hundred, four doubles, two dingers, eight RBIs. And has scored 11 ones. Eduardo Escobar is starting to turn things around. Has reached base safely in seven of his last 10 plate appearances. You want numbers? I got numbers. I deal in numbers. I just can't believe Calhoun hit four home runs in last week. He had a big year last year, though. He hit, what, 33 home runs for the Angels? I know we we joked about it because everyone was hitting home runs last year. But he had a, a big year for... The Angels, who, well, another year, another struggling year for Mike Trout. I, I think it's safe to say I don't think Mike Trout's playoff odds for 2020 are trending in the right direction as they're, I think, 8-15 and 15 right now. What they, they they don't have anyone to get out get outs. But who cares? We'll focus on them later this week because the A's play the Angels. for. I believe it's the last time this season, this upcoming weekend, but we're worried about the, the National League's Diamondbacks right now. And it's, this is a big series and probably a cool moment for Bob to go back to Arizona for the time he spent there in the World Series and being see Bob Brenly again. So, well, let's see. Gallon allowed two earned runs in seven innings and took a no decision in the D backs eight seven defeat against the Rockies on Tuesday. Arizona's won three of his four starts. They're, I mean, they're, they're playing very, very good baseball. In case you're wondering, Melvin is third in A's history and wins at 747 and games managed 1,417. Only Connie Mack and Tony LaRussa have more in each, respectively. Bob's creeping in on uh, old uh, Tony LaRussa. The ace skipper managed five seasons in Arizona. Only Kurt Gibson has more wins and games managed in Arizona than Bob Melvin. Did you know that? Gibson was there for, was it five years? Because I remember he took over when they were awful. He took over for him. I think A.J. Hinch was the manager he took over for. And he turned their bullpen that was the worst in, like, one of the worst in baseball history, and they were the next – I think they were the best bullpen the following year. I think they made the playoffs. It, that seems to be, like, the Diamondbacks thing. They 
they struggle for a few years and they're really bad and they bring a new manager and in the very first year they go and the playoffs. That's what happened when they brought Tori Lovallo in. They went to the playoffs the first year he took over. They've been consistent every year he's been there too. Coming up next, one of, if not the hottest, one of, if not the most important, Oakland A on the roster. Mark Canna will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I got to tell you, Mark Canna can't say it enough, and I know I've said it a lot. I I, I, I don't know where the ball club is without him. And certain people can be so valuable based off, you know, what what they're able to bring in so much capacity, right? I mean, the fact that Mark Canna can hit in the middle of the order, Mark Canna can play any position, you know, we've had a lot of fun with the nickname Duct Tape. I mean, uh, Ramon Laureano goes down. How many teams where your everyday center fielder goes down and you go, now eh, we're going to be all right. How many? I, I don't know too many teams where you just go, I can replace the guy with a guy who's as good, hell at times more valuable. How many teams can do that in Major League Baseball? I'll wait. I don't think very many, to be honest. I mean, we see how the Yankees uh, lose Judge and Stanton every year, and they scramble to put Mike Talkman or Mike Ford or whoever in the outfield, and they're nowhere near as good as those guys. But when Ramon goes out and you put Mark in, you have a guy that probably has more power and can play center field. He might, he doesn't have the arm that, that Ramon has, which uh, not many guys do, but he plays the position very well, and, and we've said it a thousand times including the people I've interviewed for the project I did on Canna. Nobody expected Mark Canna to ever be a major league center fielder, and here he is doing it again this season. I mean, it's just a reality. You just – it's – it's um, I mean, it's crazy, but it's just – it is what it is. What do you need him to do? Mark, can you play center field? No problem. Mark, can you can you can you play left, right, DH? He does everything for you. And then his numbers. We're going to give you the numbers here in the interview. But we put him out there earlier today. Cody did. Uh he's hitting 360. Six RBIs, seven runs scored, four extra base hits, a home run. That was last week. Last week. I mean, it's truly incredible. Here is our conversation with Mark Hanna. Well, now joining us, he's absolutely one of our favorites, and what he's doing for the A's right now is truly unbelievable. Mark Hanna is with us from the Valley of the Sun. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my way to uh, the bus right now. We're about to head over to the ballpark pretty soon here. 
Well, I got to thank for you before we start talking baseball. We know that you have a new baby at home and uh, I got to think it, it was a wonderful night. Everything that's going on with the A's, but to be back home with the wife and the family for, for this brief time in Arizona, I bet is really special for you and your family. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I got in kind of late last night, but my we my daughter unfortunately didn't want to go to bed at her bedtime, so I got to see her last night, and it was uh, it was awesome. And I also got to hang out with them this morning. It was just uh, you know pancakes and pancakes morning, and we just it was just a fun hang with the fam today. Oh, I bet. And, and how about this? There's nothing better than sleeping in your own bed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so let's talk about your ball club right now. And before we talk about you, because I know you'd rather talk about the team, uh, you've won four straight. You've won 13 of 15. You just whooped it up yesterday against the Giants where you took it to them 15 to 3. But just – how great was this series, three straight games, and the way you guys came back on Friday and Saturday, showing so much character? Yeah, it was awesome. It was just uh, when you, whenever you start a series, it, you kind of, it, it always feels like you're kind of dipping your toe in the water and feeling the temperature a little bit. Like you're kind of going to see how the series goes and, and we uh, got fell behind in those first two games, but but it, it kind of felt like we came together as a group and kind of kicked it into gear at the end of those games, and then um, you know smacked them on Sunday. So it, it was a nice series for us. Um, you got to win all kinds of different series, and that was definitely uh, a dramatic one. But but we we made it happen with some magic. So you you like to see that. So I'm thinking about for you, I mean, obviously this series was incredible. I mean, you had the game-winning sack fly Saturday. I mean, Saturday at the big home run, but you had a base hit and a double. And then, of course, what you did yesterday. And I think about last season. What is it about that ballpark that when you get in there, you just see the ball so well? Uh, I just. I really want to do well there. There's a little extra motivation for me, but um, yeah, it's just something about there. Like I get like a little heightened focus and a little bit, there's a little extra there. Um, I, I really kind of treat my at-bat. I, I always treat my at-bats well, but like, I don't know. It's just like, I go into this ultra competitive mode when I get into that we'll call it a beast mode, if you will, uh, when I get into that ballpark and whenever we're playing the Giants, really. Yeah, you know what? Our fans are going to love that because, you know, I know a lot of people, the Giants are down, but as you know, our fan base, it doesn't matter what the record is. They want to beat the Giants so bad. And, and, and yeah. I love how you guys also feed off that and you guys know that. Yeah, I always want to beat the Giants. And, and you know what? they're not a bad team. That's a, they put up some runs on us those first two games. They, their offense is working a little bit. Um, you know, you, you run into a couple guys in that lineup that are hot at a certain time. It's not, it's not that easy of a lineup to get through. And, and they got some arms, some starting arms and, 
and some decent arms in the bullpen too. So, uh, you know, these are major league teams we're talking about here and and competitive ones at that with some really good players. So I, you know, regardless of the record, they, they're playing in a tough division. The Rockies and the Dodgers obviously are doing really well in their division. And those are two other tough teams to beat right now. And uh, I think their record doesn't tell the whole story about the Giants. Well, this past well, week, I, I don't know if you're going to get AL Player of the Week, but we, we, we ran your numbers this last week. You hit 360 with a 1,050 OPS, a home run, six RBIs, seven runs scored, and four extra base hits. What does it mean to you just to, to, to fill out that box score on an everyday basis to help your team? Uh, I mean, that's I just I think that's the type of player I can be when I'm when I get going and I find a little rhythm at the plate. Um, it kind of all comes together just because the walks are always there, the plate discipline's always there. I, I you know, believe in my ability to have a good at bats. It's just a matter of of whether or not I'm squaring up the ball that day. And when I am, it, it makes for a it makes for a pretty um, you know I I can put up some numbers. Yeah, well, I tell you what, the numbers you're putting up and, and the lineup around you now, as the A's have scored 54 runs in the last seven games. I mean, the offense at the beginning got off to a little bit of a slow start. How are you guys feeling, vibing now as a lineup? Really good. I, I mean, I, I made a comment. I think it was on your show earlier in the year that how we were getting contributions from different parts of the lineup every day, and I and I think that that is the best way to offense throughout the long term you know, and throughout the course of a season, you know, like the guys who hit, hit 250 don't go one for four every day. It's, it's peaks and valleys and, and you have to um, get it from different, different guys every day. I, I'm a firm believer in that and that's what we've done. So, I mean, you know, there's, times in this season when I've kind of cooled off and, and other guys picked up the slack and there's times, you know, Ole picked us up for, was like the majority of our offense there for a few games. Chappie's gone off. Um, we're, we're really kind of firing from all angles. And, and I think that's how you have to do it. You know, you're, you're so versatile. That's why we had fun with the nickname duct tape, uh, where Bob Melvin can put you anywhere, whether it's center, left, right, DH, first base. I mean, you really could play anywhere. I would, couldn't doubt if you could play short. Uh, and, I, and I think about your versatility, and, and you know how that big that is for the team. Do you like playing all these positions, or would you rather just have one position? Um, I take pride in it. I, I'm the type of person that likes a, likes a challenge, and I like it's, it's challenging to, to bounce around and, and be good at, at all those spots. And uh, I kind of just embrace that challenge and embrace that role, and, as a, and I know that the, the team values that. So, it's, you know, I'm happy to be in a place that the team that makes me valuable to the team and it, to be to feel appreciated. I know that, that Bob loves that. I know the front office loves that. So that uh, it makes me happy that I can contribute in more than one way. And the guys you're playing in the outfield with right now, I mean, Stephen Piscotty has a 409 on base percentage. 
three home runs, yeah. 11 RBIs in the last five games. Robbie Grossman has reached base 22 of his last 39 plate appearances. I mean, your fellow yeah. outfielders right now, you guys are getting it done. Yeah, we're killing it. Um, you mentioned AL Player of the Week. I was going to say to Scotty probably – I'd be surprised if he doesn't take it for this week. He had a monster series. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're just – the outfield – our outfield is doing an awesome job, and, and that obviously has been uh, exceptional considering Ramon's been out the last three days. We really needed to pick up the slack. You know what I wanted to ask you is the fact that you're playing – in basically playing back at home. And, you know, I, I live where you grew up in Willow Glen in the South Bay. And it's funny, I'm a, I'm a member of San Jose Swim and Racket, and there's a lot of the older guys there who know your father. And they're always asking yeah. me about you. Have you talked to Mark? I talked to his dad. I, what kind of motivation that does that give you, knowing that all of these guys who grew up watching as a kid are following you on an everyday basis? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I I'm really proud of the area that I came from. Um, you say you're a member. Of, I'm, I was, a, you know, we were members of that club too. So uh, I grew up playing tennis there and that was our summer pool, you know, to go swimming. If me and my buddies wanted to go swimming, we'd ride our bikes over there. So, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's a great community. I take pride in, in representing it well. And um, it's, it's an area that when I, when I go home, I'm always, you know, it's nice. I, I have a lot of great childhood memories. And let's end on this. Cause, cause we know you got to get going. Um, you and Marcus are the longest tenure days. What, what does that mean to you and Marcus as leaders of this club and that you guys have been around the longest? Um, I think we, we do a really good job of, um, creating a, a culture that the right culture, you know, the, the right A's culture that we we've kind of learned over the years of the stuff we liked and the stuff we don't like of, of kind of vibes we have going on in the clubhouse. And we've done a really good job and probably Marcus more than me, but Marcus is more of a kind of the captainy head head figure that, that I would say has done this, but we just created a really good, um, relaxed, kind of a combination of the relaxed environment that we kind of came into, but also an ultra competitive, um, hardworking environment on top of that, kind of a, a double-edged sword of, of chilling out, but, but working hard and getting our stuff done. Well, you guys, it's hard to believe there's only 38 games left in the season. You're 15 and six. You got the best record in the American League. And just keep it rolling. It's been an absolute treat to watch you guys. Congratulations on all your success and everything with the family and being back home with the kids. Enjoy that. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Be well and be safe. All right. Thanks, County. Big fan of that guy, and we have a lot to get into for what he had to say. Next, coming up right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Something you should take out of that interview, how many years have guys complained, I just want to know where I'm playing. 
I want a steady position. Mark loves the challenge. He loves the chat. Put him anywhere. He loves it. I like playing left. I like playing center. I like playing first. I like playing right. I like DH. Give me the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. Those are the kind of guys you want on your team. Those are the guys that are up for the challenge. Chad Pender said the same thing on this program. There's certain guys who are so up for it. I don't care where you play me. I'm just going to have a hell. I'm going to have a ton of pride and I'm going to do it great. And put me in the lineup to swing it. That's all I care about. All right. Are we going to do buying or selling because this is a weird clock today? Or what do we got rolling here? Uh, we, I have a few if you want to get into that real quick before we end. Go. Uh, let me. Okay. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. As uh, we discussed earlier, if, uh, if you missed it yesterday, Last night was Yankees Red Sox on ESPN, and uh, no, guess what's on MLB Network right now? Wait no. for it, Yankees Red Sox, and uh, the Yankees were winning again. So the Yankees win last night, and if they win tonight, it would be their tenth straight win over Boston, dating back to last September. Their longest such winning streak over their division rival since 1952-1953. New York is also nine zero at Yankee Stadium, marking just the third time in franchise history. It has started out that well on its home turf. So that's their record this year. The Yankees are rolling without Judge and Stanton. And the Red Sox are struggling in 2020. They are 6-16 and and have lost seven straight. Could be eight straight after tonight. Oh, they also have a minus 42 run differential. And Bloom was pretty much saying that we need to make a lot. Like, we need to be better. Uh, not going to be better this, t- this year, Heim. Buying or selling the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry is dead. Selling, I'll never be dead. Because I'll get it from this year. The Yankees are owning them. So the Padres, Bob Townsend's Padres, have had a bad week. They've lost five in a row. They have a negative run differential now, and they've now just lost Tommy Pham for four to six weeks. And, as you told me earlier, Kirby Yates, but they lost Tommy Pham for four to six weeks with a broken hand. The Padres are trying to make the playoffs for the first time since ni- or since 2006. Only the Marlins and Mariners have had a long, have had longer waits than Jace Tingler's Padres. Buying or selling, the Padres will miss the playoffs. That they'll miss the playoffs? Yeah, meaning they won't make it. They won't be one of the eight. I'm going to buy that. I mean, you're on a five-game losing streak. I mean, that's that's huge. Lose again tonight. Oh, by the way... Uh, you know how I feel about Jerks and Profar, right? Uh, yeah, you're a big fan. You made a great yeah, catch in left field the other day. How great Jerks and Profar is. And then when we were down at the winter meetings, those <laughs> Padre guys came up and said, oh, my God, I mean, his analytics. Look at his analytics. He's there. Uh, let, me get to, uh, let me get to how hot uh, Jerks and Profar is. Uh, the guy that had played second base mostly every day for the A's last year. Can't throw, can't field. Uh, oh, but he hit over 20 home runs. Okay. I'm trying to get to it. Oh, here it is. Uh, Jerks and Profar. So they're playing the Rangers. So it says, Rangers former top prospect. 
What is he hitting on the year? You want to take a guess? 170. 185. Is that any good? Yeah, you're missing him. You're missing 185 jerks and Profar. Well, like I said, he made a great dive. I didn't know he played left field. He was playing left field last week. Uh, I think it was Thursday. Thursday, yeah, Friday. Yeah, because he can't throw at second base. They probably finally figured it out. So you put him in the outfield, so if a ball's hit to deep left, you're going to hope that he's going to be able to hit the cutoff man. Uh, hey, Barry Bonds had no arm, and he played it for years. Yeah, well, thanks for bringing that up. Sid Breen, that, that's never going to get old. All right, last one. If you remember, we did this a while back when there was a talks of an 82-game season, discussion of a player hitting 400. We know that there's, you know, the last player to do it was Ted Williams in 1941, where he hit 406. Since 1942, only Chipper Jones, Tony Gwynn, Larry Walker, Paul O'Neill, Rod Carew, Hank Aaron, and Ted Williams hit 400 through 60 games. Cody Bellinger was in 404 last year for the Dodgers for the first 49 games and ended hitting 305, but he won the NL MVP. Currently, Charlie Blackman of the Rockies is hitting 446 and has an on-base percentage of 489. Buying or selling, Charlie Blackman will hit 400 this season. I'm buying. If there was ever a guy to hit 400, what field were they play the majority of their home games on? Coors. And why is that? Because the ball travels more. Oh, come on. You act like you got all this baseball knowledge. It's the largest field in baseball. It has the most expansive outfield that you have to cover. That means all the line drives and all the blue pits and all the and you could throw in the elevation, Cody, for home runs. But they've said the best defense there would be three center fielders because there's so much ground to cover. A guy like Tony Gwynn or Wade Boggs could easily hit 400 there because there's so much space. That's why, Cody. If you learned anything today, Commander, that's what you learned. <laughs> I knew that a big ballpark. I didn't know it was the biggest outfield. But Oh, my God. Go look at the dimensions. Yeah. It's 340-something down the line. Yeah, that's that's pretty big. Well, that's all I got. We're at the end. But, yeah. Okay, so we're going to get Mark Canna. You'll hear him again in the pregame show. Uh, Vince Who has does? Vince has Stephen Vote in the pregame. Oh, show. I believe. Yeah, yeah, I believe too. We have shared the same and we're birthday. We're not on tomorrow. We're not on tomorrow. We're back Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week at three. We got a day off tomorrow. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't have a day off, but I have a day off oh. of the show. I'll be doing the uh, Ports podcast with Alex Jensen tomorrow. When are we? When are we back? We're back Wednesday. Wednesday, three o'clock. Who are we gonna have? So far, we have uh, Fossey because it's Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna and I have uh, Mike Farron, our good friend from the Diamondbacks. Uh, so far, love him. I can't wait to like tell him to prove that I've been going to the golf course and listening to him in the morning. He's gonna love that. He knows. He know. You know how much he appreciates us. He said he told me in the text anything for you guys. Oh, uh, that's my guy. All right, coming up next, you're going to hear David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics, and then it's game time. Thank you for listening, everybody. Great show today. Great guest, Cody. You were amazing. We'll see you all uh, coming up in a couple of minutes, and then, of course, tomorrow for the game, and then Wednesday we'll be back for A's Cast Live at 3 o'clock. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 